0: Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. Today, we have another special solo episode of the podcast. And today we're going to be focusing on some top recession money rules to remember as we try to navigate these very difficult times that we're in. And I think we all agree that these are very difficult times. A recent poll by CNBC basically stated that money is the top, top, top issue for most people. I think it was near 83% of respondents who said money's their top issue and that topped COVID-19. It topped health issues. It topped every other issue. So we all know that's where our mind is at as we navigate this very high inflationary period that has been rapid and very, very intense. And so I have some top recession money rules to share. But before I get into that i just like to state that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Institute on Holistic Wealth. You can visit the website for free resources. There are courses there like our money trauma course, which is very relevant to this episode as well. The website is www.instituteonholisticwealth.com. And I hope you have a chance to check it out. And of course, I hope you have a chance to get your copy of the new Holistic Wealth Expanded and Updated book, which is available globally online and in bookstores. So, before I get into sharing some top recession money rules, I've been asked by so many of our podcast listeners if I could share a clip of my interview with CNN anchor Laura Coates. I did about three interviews with Laura Coates and I would love to share that. I'm going to share a clip of that to just set the context for this episode so that there's some background and so that people can listen into that interview. So I'm going to throw to that clip and then we're going to get into these top money rules for recession planning.
1: A lot of the conversations you're having, though, we are having today revolve around the issues that are most important to all of us facing in the United States of America and and around the globe. And it comes down to the economy, stupid, as they say, it's the economy. And the economy has a great deal of impact on every other aspect of how we live our lives. And it's no secret, we've got rapid inflation, we've got um, the pandemic that continues to be, if not top of mind, it is still on the stove with good reason Keisha Blair is a trained economist with extensive experience in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. She's also part of the Prime Minister's Delegation to the World Economic Forum, as well as the East Asia Summit in Singapore. She's led such events at the Most Powerful Women's Summit in Montreal, Canada, and the Fortune Global Forum. She tweets at Keisha O. Blair and joins us now. Welcome back to the show. How are you, Keisha? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. So talk to me about the uh, ways in which there's been a lot of reports and discussions. In fact, there was a New York Times piece out today about how the U.S. spent more on its policy response to the pandemic than any other advanced economies. And now economists like yourself are revisiting how that worked. What can you tell us? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, yes, you're right. And that uh, New York Times piece today is, is interesting because it outlines how, you know, the U.S. has spent more than any other advanced nation. I think it was $5 trillion quoted in the article. And there are a number of, you know, reasons for that. I mean, if we look back to even spring of 2020, if we look back to March, that was the largest, like the most dramatic drop we've seen in terms of, economic crashes. So, you know, uh in just 4 days the Dow Jones plunged 6,400 points. So, there's been a lot of talk, you know, in in this article and other articles that I've seen about you know that that stimulus spending contributing to inflation, which is true. It is a fact that it would contribute because as households, you know, receive these stimulus funds, they would drive up, you know, Spending and demand for products. But, of course, there are other factors, too. You know, what's going on in in Ukraine, the Russian attack on Ukraine, you know, supply chain disruptions. And, of course, uh, Laura, like the United States has some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies in the world, and they have also increased their prices. And some of that, a lot of that is being passed on to consumers as well. So there there are a wide range of factors there that, you know, are kind of converging <laughs> to create this situation.
1: One of the things interesting about that, and you're right, the idea of the, the, the consumer prices, obviously it's not consumer driven because consumers don't want to pay these prices as as you can imagine. And and yet one of the things that the there's research from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco attributing about half of the nation's 2021 annual price increase to the government's spending response and uh, obviously it's an imprecise number but it's it is it's curious as to how that leads to evaluating America's inflation and our response? I mean, so has the government essentially forced this issue by trying to engage in ambitious spending in reaction to the pandemic? Was this before the pandemic? How do we judge this?
2: Yeah, and I know, like I've seen so many different estimations too about how much it has contributed to inflation. And so definitely I think, you know, economists all agree. That we definitely needed some spending. And what we've seen, you know, in the past, Laura, especially with like the 2009 global recession, that recovery took long. Like it was a long and hard slog. (laughs) It took about a decade if we look back as economists. And what is frightening for me, um, especially for vulnerable communities, is that it took longer for them. So I think the rationale with some of this is, well, let's speed up. And we've seen it, right? There's growth um, and the labor market seems stronger. And and I think the, the idea was to speed up that. So we don't have that long drawn out reco- recovery as we've had in the past. We have vulnerable groups. Like we know the impacts on COVID on black communities, especially. It was a deep and, and you know, really, really hard crisis for some communities. And I think, When we look at the effects like on poverty rates and we look at those vulnerable communities and then you start to see why that was kind of the rationale for that kind of spending to allow some groups to at least be able to weather that part of the storm and get them to be more resilient. And the economy suffered major shocks. I mean, we had COVID-19, we had supply chain shocks. Now we're having a war shock. So there's a number of pressures at play when you think about it. But I think the benefits of having that faster recovery is what was top of mind then. Now we just want to be at a place where we're not getting into an era of like a high inflation you know, rate. And I think that's where economists are kind of worried that we're heading into that era of like a lost decade, you know, in my book, Holistic Wealth, I spoke about the period between 2000 and 2009 being like a lost decade. I think we're just trying to figure out a path away from that. And I think that's what the concern is right now, that if we're heading into that era of high inflation, where consumers are going to have to withstand this for a longer period of time, then that poses uh, a bigger problem.
1: Well, talking about the intersection of what you've described and the idea of employment because one of the things people often are discussing now in terms of this, not only is the consumer spending, but that is one of the things the article points out is disruption has had its upsides. America now has a record 1.8 jobs open for every unemployed worker, which has in some ways given employees more power to demand more flexibility and better benefits and higher pay. Are we seeing that there could be that upside for at least the average employee? Absolutely. And I think that's the rationale, too,
2: for even some of these corporations rising their prices. I know some of them are testing the markets to see what will hold. But the rationale is, you know what? Uh, employees are, are going to experience rising um, wages because of what's going on, because of this tight labor market, because of the demand for workers. And and that's what we're seeing in the economy. I think, as you said, Laura, there, there are some benefits because we're seeing an economy where employees are more empowered, we're seeing them make the choices they want to make. They can, you know, bargain for more flexibility at work if, you know, you're, you're a mom with three kids and, and so workers have more, um, you know, leverage in terms of negotiating kind of the salary package, how they want to work, when they want to work, which is a good thing. So there are definitely ups and downs. And of course, you know, as we talk about things like the Great Resignation Wave and and people, you know, taking advantage of the passion economy, which is now worth over, you know, like $80 billion, it's it's really looking like we're starting to reimagine. And this is giving us a whole host of reasons to reimagine what we want our post-pandemic lives to look like and, and how we want that to be shaped in terms of the patterns that we're seeing now. And I know workers are also contemplating that on their end. You know, we went into this pandemic kind of, you know, in an unsustainable way. And it's how do we get out of this in a more sustainable way that's, you know, that's more holistically wealthy for all of us and for our communities and, and looking forward to what that you know, that job market will look like as a part of that.
0: Okay, so now that you've listened to that clip and it certainly sets the tone and the context for this episode, it's amazing that we can go through these money rules to remember as we head into, you know, potentially a recession. Some are predicting early 2023, some are predicting late 2023, and some are even predicting 2024. So some of these you would have already heard me in previous episodes talk about a lot, but it's okay and it's great for reinforcing certain concepts. And one of the first money rules that I want everyone to remember is to focus on financial resilience, really focus on financial resilience. And so financial resilience is the ability to bounce back After a life altering setback, and whether it's a recession, the death of a a loved one or a divorce, it's very important that we have a holistic wealth portfolio that helps us remain financially resilient. And so part of being financially resilient is just putting a few key major pieces in place, such as your emergency fund. And our recommendation is a minimum of 12 months saved in that emergency fund, because as COVID-19 has shown, right, anything can happen. And these things can be protracted and long lasting. So it's very important to do that. And I know people are thinking, well, you know what, we're already hand to mouth. We're already stretched to the limit. How do we do that, especially now? Just start putting away any amount that you can afford to, and if it means cutting back somewhere else to put, make this a priority, then do that. The second money rule, which also helps with financial resilience, is to minimize high interest debt. Now, I would advise everyone to go through all their credit cards and revisit your minimum payments. Interest rates have been increasing rapidly, and I know for many people. they just haven't had the chance yet to revisit their new minimum payments so for many people that has gone up and it's gone up quite a bit you might be paying the old amount and not the new amount and so I'm advising everyone to go back through everything all your loans everything look at your new minimum balance and check out what that is because you will need to pay more And it might be a new amount, what was, you know, what you had in mind, because for some people, especially for some types of loans, those loans are, are far more expensive now than what they were. And in doing so, that also helps with financial resilience, right? Because if we're minimizing high interest debt and we're trying to get everything on the lowest interest that we can, then that also helps us to bounce back with any life altering setback. I... Also want to emphasize that many experts, including myself, emphasize paying down debt. And that is also important. But to be truly financially resilient, and I've said this before, paying down debt is very important, but also having those cash reserves is also important. So don't throw every dime at paying down debt. Leave some for building up that emergency fund, which is another money rule. Leave some for building up that emergency fund so that if everything, let's say everything were to go south, you have that cash reserve that you can draw on. And that's also critical. Another thing that I want everyone to remember is that if in this period of downturn, if you have to borrow to survive, if you have to draw on that credit to survive, Then it's okay. It's okay. Because I know a lot of people are feeling that money shame, money guilt around having to to borrow for day-to-day living expenses. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to put myself in a hole. I'm going to put myself in debt and I won't be able to get out of it. And I'm here to tell you that you will. You will. It makes sense to be able to keep a roof over your head. It makes sense to be able to eat. It makes sense to be able to take care of the kids than to worry now about what tomorrow will bring. And so keep that model, that mental model in place that you're doing that, you're surviving, you're doing the best you can, and you will be okay. Okay, so if you plan to make your payments back and you're planning to boost your credit score and you're keeping your balances. As low as you possibly can, then keep that in mind and go forward. Another money rule is, and this has to do with our purchasing decisions if you can afford to, then buy in bulk where you can. Buy in bulk where you can. Don't be afraid to look at generic brands. Don't be afraid to carpool when you need to. And don't be afraid to. You know, really cut out any subscriptions, anything like that, that you have that are really, really taking away from those goals that you have. So, there's some critical things that are so important as we move through this time. You know, shopping around, cost comparisons at the grocery stores, seeing uh, what you can stock up on while you can. Those are also very important. And of course, if you have stuff around the house that you can resell, stuff you're no longer using that can create cash that you need, yeah, resell your secondhand stuff. Uh, There's great resell platforms. There are great uh, secondhand websites now that allow you to do that. And of course, here's another money rule. If you can create passive income in a very smart, easy way that fits your lifestyle, it's not taking too much in terms of hours in the day, but there's an easy way to do it, then go ahead, find a way to carry in something extra so that you can either pay down that debt or put a buffer on that emergency savings fund to cover the bills. So that's also something that you can look into. There are platforms out there that are available so that people can look into starting creating that second income. And of course, during this time, invest in you. It's also very important to invest in you, invest in yourself, invest in your skills. Because of course, when this is over, you want to be more marketable and you want to have an upper hand in terms of renegotiating a salary or getting a higher paid job. The other thing that I want to emphasize, because I've been doing so much training with people in terms of money trauma. Is that if you find that this period has been increasing your levels of anxiety, financial anxiety and and anxiety, then really take the time to really focus on ways to reduce that. Focus on reducing your anxiety and whatever it takes to do that because mental health is so important. And that's why, you know, we talk about holistic wealth so much on this show because it's never just about the money. It's never just about money. It's money is always tied to emotions. It's tied to the past. It's tied to our identities. It's wrapped up in who we are, how we grew up. And it can also be wrapped up in so much trauma. And so if you're feeling like this period is bringing to the fore any kind of trauma or, you know, more specifically money trauma, then there are ways to deal with that to improve your relationship with money. The Institute on Holistic Wealth has a money trauma course that can help you get a handle on your money trauma and also help others and we've been getting rave reviews about that course. So feel free to visit the website and check it out and there are payment plans available for that. But as we head into the holiday season, especially this year where so many people are already stretched so many people are you know feeling that financial anxiety it's a good time to really tackle it head on to really tackle it head on so you go into 2023 with a better money outlook with a better relationship with money so that you feel more confident in your financial decisions and so that you're heading into 2023 with your holistic wealth portfolio in place drafted and done with the help of the Institute, and you're going in 2023 setting up yourself for success. So that's my last point around money trauma because it is huge. And I think because we've all gone through COVID 19 and we've dealt with so much in terms of the economy, in terms of inflation, in terms of our own personal lives, and any grief or loss we've had to sustain. And it's all wrapped up in it. And at this point, time during the year where we're looking at finalizing, wrapping up the last quarter of 2022, my big advice for everyone now is to start looking ahead. Start planning for 2023 and what it will bring. Start looking ahead at how you can set yourself up for success in 2023 because that's what I would want for every listener listening in and setting up yourself means setting up that holistic wealth portfolio that is resilient that's making you financially resilient and you're tackling any money trauma you have head on so that you're transforming your relationship with money and we have the tools to show you how to do that so have a great week everyone take care and i hope you have a wonderful week ahead Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website, KeishaBlair.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not... What are you waiting for? Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks, free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose. Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio online self-paced course you're struggling with all your money decisions take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course you recently had a breakup job loss or experienced the death of a loved one take the holistic healing course you need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth we will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint and of course If you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth, become a certified holistic wealth consultant. Regardless of what career you've got, the Institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose. The sooner you join, the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle. And you're going to want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 32 life lessons to help you find purpose, prosperity, and happiness.